Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. My daughter has been composing a short piece for a summer program that she's in, and up until this point, her only concept of the piece is the MIDI performance that her computer generates. But in a few days, for the first time ever, she'll have an opportunity to hear live human musicians play something she's written. I'm super excited because I think she's going to be surprised, hopefully in a good way of course, but I do think it'll be slightly confusing or disorienting at first to hear how different the black notes on the page sound when filtered through living, breathing musicians with expressive music-making instincts, as opposed to her computer. Of course, I think we've all had moments where we've been guilty of playing more like the robot in our computer than the expressive humans we are. At least, I can certainly remember many a lesson where my teachers would try to get me to worry a little bit less about accuracy and focus more on playing expressively. I remember them using a number of different approaches, from images and metaphors to demonstrations and listening assignments and guided questions and specific suggestions and instructions and more. With so many different ways to approach this challenge, is there a best way? Or maybe even a set of best practices that are effective in teaching students how to play more expressively? To explore this question, music education researcher Robert Woody conducted a study of 36 undergraduate and graduate-level pianists. For some of the participants, piano was their primary instrument, while for others, piano was not their main instrument. The piano majors averaged about 11 hours of individual practice per week, and had had around 17 years of private piano lessons on average. The non-piano majors averaged fewer hours of practice and lessons, about three hours of practice per week, and about nine years of lessons on average. But I mention all this to say that even the non-piano majors appear to have been pretty competent pianists. At least, this is way more experience and a whole lot more practicing than I and most of my fellow secondary piano classmates did when we were in school. Anyhow, the students were presented with three short musical phrases to play, given some time to practice on a digital piano, and then were asked to perform these short excerpts in a, quote, normal musical way without doing anything special. Then they were given some instructions on how to make their performances more expressive. One approach was an auditory method. Alongside the unmarked music, students listened to a faculty member's recording, 
which served as an auditory model to emulate or to give them some ideas on what expressive possibilities to consider incorporating into their own performance. Another approach involved concrete instructions. Rather than an auditory model, students were provided with a copy of the music that had expressing markings written in, like articulation markings or dynamics, and suggestions on where to push the tempo forward a little bit more or slow down. And the final approach was imagery or metaphor-based. Instead of specific musical directions, they were given an emotionally evocative image or metaphor that a faculty member had generated for each melody that would hopefully help them develop a clear sense of what mood or character that they should be aiming for in their performance of each melody. Something like bouncy and happy, rustic, as if you're a happy peasant with no cares or worries strolling along singing a song. After a little more practice, the participants were then asked to record one final expressive performance. To compare the three instructional approaches, students' normal and expressive recordings were compared to the expert model to see what sort of changes occurred after each type of expressive instruction. And which one was best? Well, as you might have guessed, all three strategies led to more expressive performances, at least in terms of measurable changes in dynamics, tempo, and articulation. And no one approach was necessarily any more effective than the others. There were, however, some interesting observations that might be important to consider. Observation number one, giving students an auditory model led pretty consistently to performances that sounded more like the model. So it seems that students may have interpreted the recording more as an ideal to emulate exactly, as opposed to one potential approach to take inspiration from. Observation number two, Concrete instructions helped students to play more expressively as well, but was also associated with significantly more practice repetitions than the other two approaches. 4.8 practice repetitions versus 3.3 for the auditory model and the imagery metaphor strategies, which suggests that this could be a slightly more time-intensive approach than the others. Though that might not necessarily be a bad thing if it means that students are doing more thoughtful experimenting in these extra repetitions. Observation number three, the metaphor slash imagery prompts did lead to significantly more expressive playing as well, but not necessarily in ways that were always musically appropriate, like they may have emphasized a note that wasn't actually very important, or pushed the tempo forward instead of holding back, and so forth. So what can we take away from all of this? Well, the author offers a few recommendations based on the findings of the study. Recommendation number one. If you're trying to achieve a specific sound, like a color or articulation perhaps, an auditory model can probably help, which could mean listening to a recording to help you form a clear mental model for your own playing or demonstrating in a lesson for a student to help them develop their own internal model. Recommendation number two. If, on the other hand, the goal is to generally add more life or expression to a passage which sounds kind of boring or robotic, Searching for a more compelling image or metaphor could be the way to go. And if, when trying this with a student, they do something that isn't stylistically appropriate, like a huge, juicy glissando in Bach and so forth, you could just guide and shape them towards something a little more appropriate through concrete instructions. And recommendation number three. Speaking of concrete instructions, it's important to keep in mind that beginning or less advanced students, or perhaps even advanced students who are working on especially challenging new repertoire or making adjustments to their technique and embouchure and, and so on, 
They may have more difficulty juggling and incorporating too many instructions all at once, so this is something to just keep an eye out for. All in all, the main takeaway for me is that there's probably no one-size-fits-all strategy or approach to helping students or ourselves play more expressively. That ultimately, it's the artful mashup of all three of these strategies and likely others that probably works best. And that the best strategy likely depends on the student and on being able to read the situation to figure out what they're hearing in the model you present, what they're taking away from your image or metaphor, and whether they have the bandwidth to focus on multiple expressive dimensions like dynamics, plus articulation, plus phrasing, plus sound, etc., while also balancing the technical challenges and demands that they may be working through in that moment. And yeah, it's a lot and not necessarily so neat and tidy, but also kind of what makes all of this fun. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. You can also find a quick and dirty 30-second summary of the study on Instagram at bulletproofmusician. And if you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. Mm-hmm.